So we're doing uh, as a message series for this retreat. Uh, the theme is emotions from the Psalms. Emotions from the Psalms. And each night we're going to have two shorter messages. Uh, tonight it's me and then Chris. Um, two messages each of the next four nights, each rooted in a different psalm, and each looking at a uh, different emotion. How God answers. How He meets us in a different emotion. You know, I don't, I don't know if you have a reading a scripture um, on your own. You know, I know it was like the summer Bible on a pastor's kid, but it was the summer before college that I first like picked up the Bible in my own volition uh, and read it. You know, I, I, these were all in church. I was in, inundated uh, with the scripture, but it, I wasn't responsible for that, right? I just, um, you know, my parents made sure uh, it came to me. And so I don't know if you're in that habit, but a very common thing is to read through Psalms. Read a psalm a day, even as you read the other parts of Scripture. And that's because, really, you know, the psalms are the, the prayer book of the Bible, right? They are the prayer book of the Bible. And, uh, and they, they have a trajectory in them that, that goes from lament to praise. You know, lament, uh, the sorrow of the world. I mean, there's a theme, there's a theme to the psalter. You know, it's wisdom literature, Psalm 1, uh, how blessed the man uh, who uh, walks in the ways of the Lord. It's also, it also points on, too, to the king, the coming king. Uh, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, uh, who we know is Jesus Christ. But it does have this trajectory. So it starts with, uh, you know, people pouring out their troubles. And uh, that's actually the dominant, like, in terms of the number of psalms, uh, the, the dominant uh, category is the land. And But it doesn't leave you there. It moves uh, through five books. There are five books in the Psalter. Um, and mirror the five books of Moses in the law. And it moves in a trajectory of praise. It ends in five psalms of praise. And, you know, Psalm 146, Psalm 150. Each, each would start with the word hallelujah. And ends with the word hallelujah. And uh, so we're going to follow that trajectory ourselves. And uh, I'm going to start tonight with Psalm 42. I'm going to read Psalm 43 as well. I think, you know, in origin, there were one psalm that divided in the process of creating uh, the Psalter. They were divided into two. So they are two psalms, but you read along with me. Um, uh, psalm 42 and 43. You'll see the parallels. You'll see the repeated phrases. So hear God's word. To the choir master, a master of the sons of the Lord. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? 
Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And then Psalm 42. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, for God my God. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let me just pray as we start. Heavenly Father, bless against your word to us. Help us in the midst of our own despair when we feel that you have forgotten us to remember your great works of mercy in our lives, your steadfast love towards us. And Heavenly Father, do deliver us from our troubles and bring us once again to hope in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Two, two things I want to talk about out of Psalm 42. Uh, you know, first, uh, uh, longing, thirst, and second, depression. You know, we start, we start with something nice and uplifting. Um, this, this, these, these are famous psalms that deal with depression. Was, you know, what's the state of the psalmist here? Um, he's, he, he's depressed. But before I get to that, I want to talk about thirst. You know, uh, verse 1 of Psalm 42 is very famous and immortalized in numerous Christian psalms. As a deer pants before the streams, so pants my soul for you. So long, there's the longing. Like this deals with longing. What do you long for? What do you thirst for? Right? What drives you? What, what, what are you hoping to get? You know, I had a couple of interesting examples I'm going to pick on some people um, from just earlier earlier today. You know, I learned at dinner um, that some of my my uh, coworkers, like even if a book is bad, they feel they have to finish it. <laughs> they, they just have to. Right? Can you leave something undone? No, you thirst to complete, uh, complete it. And you know, and I learned from Daniel here in the front. You know that uh, you know he never ice skated, I guess, and he was taken ice skating by his girlfriend. And, you know, and he decided I'm going to come back and I'm going to learn this until I can, how do you put it, do all the tricks. Figure <laughs> <laughs> skaters would call them tricks. <laughs> but you know, right? Is that you? Right? You're. I mean, I'll let me be honest with you. Like, we're a weird group of people. And it's hard because, like, I know who you are. I mean, some of you I've never met until today. I know who you are. Right? You have that craving to get stuff done. Right? I gotta complete. I gotta lead. I gotta achieve. And uh, I mean, maybe I, you know, one of my roommates at Princeton was so laid back. One. And so I do. They do exist. Like I've met a laid back. A laid back Princeton. <laughs> and uh, you know he's happy. Yeah, you know. But uh, that's the challenge, right? There's we have longings. I mean, we took longings. Different people have different longings in their hearts. Uh, the one for achievement is, is particularly challenging. Like, where does that lead so often in our lives? Like, well, I gotta, I gotta do. I gotta do. I gotta, I gotta get. Uh, you know, get to the next stage. I've got to be the best. Um, and maybe that's what brought you here uh, to Princeton. And, um, you know, my, my wife said this. She, she's, she's very much that way. I mean, for, for both of us, it was a love language for us as a married couple. 
uh, Princetonians, you know, married to each other, is like, what new thing can we do? We go, you know, we go on romantic, you know, getaway, leave the kids with grandma, and then we would ski, like new plans. Is that, is that, is that sad? You know, like, or is that good? I don't even know, but like, that's a love language between us. But, you know, where does that lead? Like, this is what uh, Christina, my wife, would say. It's like, you know, she was just going through that. So, you know, you, you've got to do the best thing. I've got to play piano until I like, win the concerto competition, you know, and then I've got to, like, get into Princeton, and then I've got to get into law school, and then I've got to get the right job at the right firm. And uh, then what? Right? right? She got the brass ring. Like, you know that phrase, you know, you're looking for the brass. I don't know why it's made of brass. But, like, that's the achievement. That's the goal you're looking for. What is that for you? I, you know, maybe it's not working at a, uh, a, a law firm. Uh, you know, I don't know what, what it is for you or what your parents would want it to be for you. But there's probably something that you have in your heart where you're like, oh, that. Then I will be satisfied. My heart longs for that, and then I'll be satisfied. But what happens when you get it? Many of you in the room, you could testify. What happens when I get what I want? You're happy. And then you wake up the next day. Or maybe even it's the same night, and you're like, what now? Okay, I did that. Who am I now? And uh, this is, you know, one of our great challenges is that our hearts yearn for many things and are not satisfied. And uh, the great blessing of the psalmist here in, in Psalm 42 is that the longing is in the right direction. Right? I mean, I, you know, our last retreat, BCI back in the fall, this was like my lead anecdote. I'm going to use it again because it's like too appropriate for Psalm 42. You know, Augustine of Hippo in his confessions, great book, the confessions you should read it, written in North Africa in the early 5th century. Great Christian word. He's just confessing his faith, how he was brought to faith. You know, uh, uh, as a uh, uh, as a man in the Roman Empire, and uh, where does he start? He says, "Our heart." It's in the form of a prayer. He's confessing to the Lord how the Lord brought him out of this sin and out of being lost and brought him to salvation. And what does he say? He says, "Our hearts are restless until they find the rest in you." Right? Augustine he sought he sought purpose. He sought meaning and uh, knowledge. He was, he was a brilliant individual. He was rising, he sought it in power, he was rising, his goal was to become a provincial governor. You know, he sought it in pleasure, he was a concubine, he was there just so he could have sex with someone, he was a child with her. Um, he died in, as a teenager, but you know, but then he would have had a political marriage, you know, he was ambitious. His mother was ambitious, his parents were ambitious for him, right? His father had plans for him. Uh, his mother wanted him to be a believer. <laughs> his mother was a Christian. And so, you know, here he was pursuing, he pursued philosophy, he pursued Neoplatonism, and, uh, you know, uh, he pursued Manichaeism, uh, not in that order. Um, you know, he pursued many different things. He was like you, some of you. And, uh, and those were his chosen things, but they did not satisfy. Because, he, you know, what is the reality so often of our lives? It is this, you know, to get to my second point, which is depression. Like, this is so often described, I hope this doesn't describe your life, it, I'm sure it does to the number in the room. Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. Right? Yeah, he specifically is being mocked. Where is your God? He is under un unspecified tribulation difficulty. The psalmist. And so he's being mocked. Where is your God? But the challenge is he actually is asking that question himself. Right? Where are you, Lord? 
why have you forgotten me? You know, verse 9, I say to God on my rock, why have you forgotten me? The tears are his food. That's a classic. If that's you, that's a classic sign of depression. Um, if you find yourself crying for no reason, you know, when you were in the night. That was me, age 20, in Spelman. <laughs> um, that was me once upon a time. And you're like, and then you read like the, 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 yeah, you read the diagnosis for depression, and you're like, oh, check. So, sorry, that's yeah, that. <laughs> um, Spelman, yes, crying in Spelman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, so, it wasn't <laughs> but tears have been my food, right? It's like this is so often the world we live in, right? He feels this. Uh, verse seven is very evocative too. Deep calls to deep at the roar of the waterfalls. On the one hand, that's like a description of like the depth of God's love, you know, God's power over the storm, over the waves. And yet, at the same time, he feels the second half of the verse: all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Like I, you know, if you've ever been in the ocean. And, you know, you get uh, caught by a wave you weren't expecting. Or if you've been in a storm and you feel uh, the waves battering you, that's, that's the imagery being used. Like, God's love for him, he recognizes. There's this paradox here, verse 7. He's, he's torn between, on the one he recognizes God's steadfast love is as deep as the ocean. And at the same time, he feels he's being buffeted. God is allowing uh, difficult things in his life. Right? He's being overwhelmed. He's being mocked. You know, that's where Psalm 43 comes in. Vindicate me, O God. This is specifically against the deceitful and the unjust men, right, who are mocking him, who are oppressing him. He says, send out the light of truth. Let them lead me to your holy hill. And so, you know, this is so often where we live. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, my, my wife said that Abbott has become an avid Peloton person. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, like, uh, you know, so, um, should be doing the, the Peloton, and they, they, they always play whatever um, popular music is. That's obviously the central part of exercise. You gotta get the right songs. And so, key, you know, what was a big song this summer? It was Taylor Swift, um, It's Me, Hi. I'm the problem, it's me, right? So they're doing the Peloton workouts to like that song. Uh, which I actually think is quite profound. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a lot of Swifties are, I'm too old to be a Swiftie, you know, and, I, and so I met I would meet students, you know, Taylor Swift is the poet of our generation, you know, and I'd have to, like, not laugh at them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really, Taylor Swift? Like, you know, she convinced me on this song. Um, she convinced me. Because, you know, so anyway, they're doing this in Peloton. It's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. You know, how does it go? You know, my narcissism, and my all dis- disguised as altruism. You know, I mean, it just goes through, right? This uh, realization that, um, like, she's the problem. But anyway, so Peloton, right? What do they do? So they're playing a song, and then they stop, and what's the Peloton instructor do? Because Peloton's all about po- the power of positive thinking. So the Peloton instructor is immediately like, okay, now throw off those negative thoughts. You know, you, you believe in you. You know, you are, you are like, you are, you can do it. And you are, you know, so they have to immediately get rid of that, like, moment of genuine, I think, self-reflection <laughs> on behalf of Taylor Swift. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, in life, it is, in fact, me who is the problem. And not just other but that, that's part of the challenge for their culture, right? It's like, we're, we're such a weird paradox in our culture. They are in Peloton. And it's a very American thing. Like, you know, what's the answer to the difficulties? Like, is this what you would say to someone? You know, if, you're, if your friend, if your roommate comes to you and says, tears have been my food day and night. 
you know, I, you know, in normal language, I'm in modern day. You know, I'm, I find myself crying all the time uncontrollably, a total loss of motivation. I feel God has abandoned me. You know, would you say to them, like, throw off those negative thoughts? <laughs> you can do it. Like, would that be good? As, as, would that be a good idea? No, it wouldn't. Yeah, that's not lovely. <laughs> no, it's important to say it out loud. You may still do this to some, someone in real life that you care about. But that's what we have so often in our culture, which is to say no answer to the real struggles of living in the world. No answer to the longings of the human heart and the need to be delivered from the difficulties of this life. Whether the oppression be from outside, like in the case of the psalmist, physical, uh, uh, spiritual, wh whether, it's, whether it's caused by your own sin, whatever the difficulty and trouble is, you know, let's be clear, like, what, what, what do we have, what do we have culturally, what do we say, we say with the Peloton instructors, you do you, even like when depressed, you know, when I was depressed at Princeton, I just stopped functioning, I mean, I still showed up to PCF meetings, I love PCF, I was an officer at PCF, so it's good that I showed up. But you know, like I still showed up to P7 meetings, but I just stopped functioning. But you know, it was interesting when I was depressed, because you know what people say to you at Princeton? Like, I don't know, are you a depressive person or, or no? Don't, you know, I'm not asking for a real answer there. Because there, there, there are people who are depressive and people who are not. Right, so there's a whole category of people at Princeton like, who are like, you know, you're depressed, but like, stop. Do you say that to people? Stop it. Or you'll remind them of the negative consequences of their depression in the hopes of sparing them, I suppose. Um, you know, like, but your GPA will suffer and then you won't get scholarships. Like, someone said that to me. My GPA did suffer, FYI. Um, my life is happy somehow, despite a bad GPA. That's <laughs> crazy. I mean, you know, you say, wow, well, seriously, I at the time would not have thought it was possible to have a good life apart from a good GPA. Like, no joke, right? That's what I actually believe. No wonder I was depressed. Um, but anyway, you know, people will say that kind of stuff to you. Like, like that's the answer. Stop it. Like, the, it's the Nike model of ministry, you know, just do it. <laughs> just do it. And some of you, that works. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, I used to envy the non-depressed. I do. I do to some degree. I'm thankful, like, my wife is not the depressive sort. That's actually helpful. I help her introspect, and she helps me, uh, you know, um, move forward. And, um, you know, to some degree, there's balance there. I used to envy it, but I think, you know, there is value in recognizing it. Like, there's danger if you're the kind of Princeton student who can just do it. Like, I worry for you. Maybe you'll just keep doing it until you retire. And then you'll have to ask, why did I do it? You know? Why did I do it? So there's some, there's some benefit. Like if you're the depressive sort, you know, I want to give you like something to hold on to. Like it might bring you to your knees before the Lord. It might force you to ask the question, like, what is my heart longing for, and what will satisfy? Right? The, the, this great paradox of our, our culture. Like on one hand, like never have we had more tools to distract ourselves from our troubles. Right? We're like so removed from so many of the like the, the privations. Of Warfare uh, that marked the existence of almost all humans, still in many parts of the world, marks the existence of human beings. 
And we're spared that. And we have so many tools at our disposal to distract ourselves, right? It's like, it's like just you, you want comfort. You just, you just go to YouTube, right? It's like the work hard, play hard. It used to be like you, you worked hard and then you got drunk. And I feel like students, we've sort of, alcohol, there's plenty of alcohol, but somehow some of the alcohol got, got displaced by YouTube, right? People are like, you know, I can just get drunk on YouTube to distract me from my troubles. But we know, like, what does alcohol satisfy? Does YouTube, well, I don't know. I mean, you're younger. Does YouTube satisfy your soul? You know, be honest. Does it satisfy your soul? Tell me what that channel is. Um, what, does, what does the psalmist say? So, you know, he's pouring out his heart to the Lord's Lord. Do that. I mean, if you want to take it. Do that. You have longings. Pour them out before the Lord. Pour them out before the Lord. Do it by reading through the Psalms in part and praying through them relative to your own life. But what does the psalmist do? Well, he remembers. He remembers what? Verse 4. He remembers how he would go with the throng and lead them. Spurgeon thinks this is a psalm written by King David. It's not there in the title. You know, you get the image here of the king leading the people in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of a multitude keeping passing. Right? What's he describing? He remembers worshiping God at the temple. Right? I mean, a parallel, the Old Testament parallel to what we're doing tonight. What we were just doing, raising song. He remembers who is, where, where does my hope lie? It lies with the Lord. What is my source of abiding joy and satisfaction? It lies in worshiping him alongside his people. And so when he asks himself the question, verse 5, and this is, you know, this is repeated, verse 11, and it's repeated in Psalm 43, verse 5, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He has an answer. He knows what the answer is. Now, he's struggling for it. That's why it's repeated. Right? He goes to it, and then he comes back, and then he goes to it again. What is he struggling towards? He's saying, he's preaching to himself. Remember what God has done. He's saying, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my life. I mean, you don't know. Like, when you're in the depths of depression, part of what is depression is power. So you're like, is this forever? Is this who I am? Modern culture, in many ways, like, will actually tell you that. Like, this is who you are. I mean, often in a well-intentioned way. And it's sort of like, uh, in a way, so that you can feel, oh, this is okay. That I am this way. This is just who I am. And, uh, you know, and to some degree, yeah, whatever your particular struggles are, to some degree you will recognize, oh, these are things that I struggle with. These, are, these, are, these reflect my frailties. But at the same time, like, part of the power, like, I, I think back in my own life, you know, well, one of the most powerful things about, uh, you know, I had this long period of depression in uh, middle school. That's a different question. And that's what led me to faith. And then junior year in college, and I failed out, and I didn't take any of my finals, second semester, junior spring. And, um, and then I left for two and a half years. Worked in a hotel, which was good for me. Work was good. Um, like normal work with normal people, it's very healthy. And um, I worked, I, you know, I did that for two and a half years. And then I came through the depression. You know, I like stopped talking to people. And at the end of the day, like all that was left was, who am I and I bought at a price. And I'm not my own. And who I am in Jesus Christ is not based on my own skill. It's not based on my performance. It's not based on my GPA. 
It's what he has accomplished on the cross, saving me from my sins, laying down his life for mine. And then that was left when I was trying to tear everything down. That was left. And then that remained. And then coming out the other side, you know, then I had perspective. Like, I thought that was like who I was. I thought that was forever. I thought that was inescapable. And it wasn't. There's great power in coming through difficulty. Perspective. You come through difficulty, and you're like, oh. And that took away its power in your life. Depression. It took away its power. Down through these 20 years since, more than 20 years since. So it's that, you know, similar times in my life where I could see it in my heart. You know, it's like 20-year-old, 19-year-old me or 14-year-old me would be like, go oh, tailspin right now. You know, go into a year-long tailspin. Where it's like, no, I remember what that was like. That has no power. Who am I? I am a sinner saved by grace. Where is my hope? My hope lies in God. It, where is there satisfaction? There's satisfaction in knowing our Creator and worship. In being in a relationship with our Creator, in knowing His steadfast love shown to us through His great works of redemption. So His Old Testament saints down to pointing forward to the cross and to us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come, Jesus Christ the Messiah. Do you know that hope? I mean, I want you, in, you know, in the small groups, in, to talk a little practically about depression. This is actually a very practical and important ministry responsibility, right? You know, not to do that to the glib. I have the Peloton, like, you know, you can do it, or or the um, or the uh, like the Princeton like, what's wrong with you? You know, having you considered the negative consequence, or trying to scare you can't scare someone in existential despair into doing more work, <laughs> 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 it's, or into being happy. Like I, I don't know why that's such a natural impulse, but it's just like I, do you understand existential despair? You know, anyway, um, it just it just doesn't work trying to scare them uh, using negative. So don't don't bother. Um, you've got to use other 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 methods, like showing them, testifying to the hope that you have in Christ that can move up all the If you don't have that hope, I mean, it's good to examine your life. Like, do I, what do I long for? What truly is driving me, and is it satisfying? Like, take a moment on this retreat and ponder that question. What are you truly craving in life, and does it satisfy? And do you know what it is? to hope in the Lord, to rest on what he has done for you through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you above all that in you there is true hope. And Heavenly Father, for each part here, especially those who are struggling, and indeed all of us in various ways, struggle. The world is fallen and uh, marked by sin and so often available to us. Heavenly Father, especially for those who find themselves with their tears or their food day and night, I pray that you would meet them there, that you would help them to come and pour out their troubles to you and to come back time and time again, as this song does, to preach to themselves, to hope in you. We know that our hearts are indeed restless, and they find their rest in you. We pray this in Jesus' name.